specifically Exodus chapter 19, beginning verse 1. We're going to read 19, verse 1 through 6. Those of you who are able to stand, we ask you would stand for the reading of God's word. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After that, they set out from Rephidim. They entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, Pastor Shea. Thank you, band. Um, I'm going to ask the baptizees, the three people who are set to get baptized, to come up here. I warned them that I would do this. If you guys could sit in these three seats, because as I told you earlier, I am going to be directing this message primarily to you guys. You're right in the sun. You're going to get hot, but it's perfect because you're going to be cold. It's cold water. It's perfect for you. Um, last year, I did a message um, on the 4th of July that talked about what it means to kind of live uh, as, as, as a people that belong to another kingdom in, in this world, what it means to be a blessing to the nation in which we dwell, um, but also not idolizing and not finding our home here. Um, not doing a message like that this year. Uh, I'll, I'll put the link from last year in an email tomorrow, um, um, but not doing a message that talks about uh, that kind of thing this year. Um, But I do want to use it as an analogy. I do want to use what we are celebrating on the 4th of July as a little bit of an illustration or a parallel, if you will, uh, to what we are celebrating with baptism today and also where we are in the book of Exodus. Um, The Declaration of Independence was kind of our uh, declaration that we are uh, free. We're severing ties with England. We're we're declaring, it was a purpose statement, if you will, of of what we're doing uh, as a new people. Um, And then the Constitution came later. The Constitution came after the war. It was a framework for what it means to now practically live as those freed people. What does it mean to live as those freed people? What are the rights that we have that the government and other people cannot infringe upon? Uh, So the Declaration came first, the Constitution came later, and it's very similar to what we're seeing in the book of Exodus right now, where they get to Mount Sinai. That's where we're at in chapter 19 of Exodus. Pastor Shea just read the beginning of chapter 19, where they get to Mount Sinai. And it's here where God's going to give them the law. He's going to give them the commandments. He's going to tell them this is what it means to live as the people who have just been set free by me. This is what it means to live as a new people who will show the rest of the nations around the world that, wow, there's something different about them. There must be something different about their God. But first in chapter 19, before we get to the laws and the commandments, first in chapter 19, he reminds them of your freedom, of their freedom. It's a declaration of their independence. It's a reminder of what he's done for them. It's a purpose statement of what he wants for them. And that's before the law and the commandments. And it ties in with baptism because baptism is a declaration that these men and women, you guys, have been freed by Jesus. Jesus has paid for you. You've been set free. 
Are you going to, uh, do you have, you know, areas where you're going to need to grow in? Absolutely. I don't know each of you guys that well uh, at all. Uh, but I can assure you that there's areas of your lives that you need to grow in. That's going to come later. First is the declaration that you're free, and then God's going to show you, mold you, shape you into what it means to live as those freed men and women. Does that make sense? And so I'm going to be speaking directly to these guys using the passage that Pastor Shea just read from. Um, you guys get to listen in, and hopefully we'll be blessed indirectly. Hopefully we'll be reminded of some important things indirectly. The title of today is called Freedom People. We're going to be focused on verses 1 through 6 of chapter 19. And then you guys who are doing the reading plan, you'll see the rest of chapter 19 in the reading plan this week. Um, I, um, I, I finished this message on Friday afternoon, and every so often, um, it doesn't feel right to me. And that was the case this week. I woke up Saturday morning and something felt off. I didn't feel like, ah, I don't feel like I can preach this in good conscience. There was something missing. I call it a gusto. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my wife. I was like, the gusto's missing. And uh, so I had to go back to God when that happens. And sometimes God changes it on the, you know, the night before, the day before. Sometimes it's like five minutes before. It's like, I think I need to scrap something, change something. So yesterday afternoon, um, I just was reminded of what was missing. And it was really, I've got concerns for you guys to be honest. Just full transparency. People get baptized. Woohoo, you know, big, big, you know, celebration as it should be. And then they forget about their freedom in different ways. The devil gets in their head, makes them forget about their freedoms, and then they drift off. And because you're declaring your freedom, there's going to be a war, right? There's a war coming. Especially now that you're declaring your freedom in Christ, the devil's going to send his armies to attack you, to bring up old temptations, to try to mess with relationships in your life. And I've seen it happen time and time again where people fell away. They'll even say things like, I got baptized. I thought God was going to make my life easier. And in the case, it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. And I want you guys to be able to stand in the freedom that God has purchased for you. So there's three things that I see in this passage that Pastor Shea just read that I want to just give to you guys today. Okay? So let's just pray and then we'll, we'll get into it. Jesus, uh, we thank you, first of all, uh, for what we celebrate on Independence Day. We thank you for... Uh, the freedoms we have uh, in this country, we thank you for that. It's an imperfect country, it's, it's broken in many ways, and yet it's a gift, it's a blessing, and we thank you for it. But God, I pray that today, this time together as a church, we can be reminded of and celebrate the greater freedom that we have because you won the greater war for us. Let that sink in to the souls of these three who are being baptized. Let that sink into the souls of all those who claim to be followers of you. And even those who are not yet followers of you, speak to them and show them what it means, the freedom that we can have in you. I pray this in your name. I pray this in your name. I pray this with dependence on you doing what only you can do. Amen. Okay. So, 
Let's go again at this passage, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain, in front of Mount Sinai. So just to catch you up, if you haven't been with us, God saw Israel, who was enslaved in Egypt, and said, I'm going after them. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to save them. He sent Moses uh, as a deliverer, as a leader. They led them through Egypt, led them through the Red Sea, uh, conquered Egypt through plagues, and ultimately the Red Sea came crashing down on the army. Uh, Then they're free. Then he starts to lead them through the wilderness towards a promised land. Along the way, they hit hardships. They come to a lack of water, a lack of food. Uh, they, they, They keep freaking out, right? And God keeps being faithful and showing them. And then here we are on the first day of the third month after they left Egypt. So it's only been three months, right? It's been just a few months since they left Egypt. So they're still new at this. They come to Mount Sinai. They're freed at this moment. But they don't know what it means to be free. They don't get it. And they're still wired in the back of their heads, uh, generation after generation of being in slavery, of being indoctrinated by the false worship of other gods in Egypt, of being slaves, of having other masters, you know, whipping them and beating them. They've been trained to live according to an old life as orphans and as slaves. And so here they are, kind of broken. They need to be retrained. They need to be rewired, even though they're free. They need to be retrained and rewired. And that's what the next few chapters are going to be about. That's what this moment is going to be about. It's kind of like when you adopt a puppy that has been abused. Right? You go to pet it and the puppy kind of winces because it doesn't want you to touch it. And you're like, no, you, I can, you can trust me. But the puppy takes time and needs to learn to trust you because it's been beaten so much. That's kind of where the Israelites are. They've been beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. They've heard stories of being beaten down. You know, their ancestors being beaten down 400 years So this is brand new to them. They don't know what it means to be free. And that's what God's going to show them. But first, as I alluded to earlier, he's going to remind them of their purpose. And that's in verse 3. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So the first thing God says is remind them of what I've done. Now, do they know what God's done? Of course they did. But they needed to be reminded of what God has done. They needed to be reminded that God is the one who rescued them. They didn't free themselves. The Egyptians didn't decide to free them. God did it. God overcame the power of the Egyptians. He grabbed a hold of them and like an eagle with its young, put them on his back and flew them out of Egypt, freed them. I don't know that much about eagles, but from what I understand, an eagle will put the young on its back and the young will just cling to its, the back of its wings. And if a hunter tried to shoot it, the arrow would have to go through the mama first and before it got to the young. That's what God's alluding to. You're on my back. Just cling to me. I flew you to safety. I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. God is the one who's freed them and God is still doing the freeing for his people today. It is still God who frees his people. Just like Moses went up this mountain and came down to the people, so God himself would later, the greater Moses, Jesus, God the Son, would come down the ultimate mountain from heaven to dwell with his people, to put on flesh, to obey the law perfectly in our place, to die in our place, to shed his blood, 
so that people like Evan, Brennan, and Leah could be free, cleansed, forgiven, and justified in God's sight. So that's number one for you guys. Your baptism today symbolizes that your freedom is God's doing. That's what we're celebrating. God freed you. You didn't clean yourselves up. You didn't fix yourselves up. Your baptism isn't a declaration that um, you're going to, you know, try harder, do better, or start with a clean... No, 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 no. This is a declaration that God has freed you. He's come after you just like he came after the Israelites in Egypt. And he's picked you up. He's opened your eyes to see what Jesus has done for you. He's used people, right, in your life. He's used friends. He's used family. He's used difficulties. But he's used it all to open your eyes to see Jesus died for you so that you can be cleansed and washed and forgiven. It's God's doing. It's God's doing. And what that means is you don't have to worry about performing a certain way. Oftentimes after people get baptized, they think, well, now I got to act like a really good Christian, which leads to two things. If they do well, they get prideful. If they screw up, which you're going to do, they get full of shame and they think, well, I can't, I can't show my face because everybody just watched me get baptized. So, you know, now I fell back into this or fell back into that. No, 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 no. You have nothing to prove. Jesus proved himself on your behalf, right? So when you screw up, and you will, instead of running away from God and thinking, well, I need a few weeks under my belt of good behavior before I can come back to God and maybe have him answer some prayers. No, you run to God, and like the, the mama eagle, he'll put you on his back and fly you to freedom again and remind you that you've been forgiven and justified and cleansed. There's no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, the book of Romans says. Does that make sense? So no sense in being hyper-focused on your outward behavior. This is God's doing. He's freed you. He will complete the work he started here today. Um, I heard this analogy from a scholar named N.T. Wright. He tells the story of a tightrope walker named Charles Blondin from the uh, late 1800s who used to walk across Niagara Falls, right? And he got so good at it, so confident did he get at it, that he would, at one point, he had a stool set up when he like, sat down on a stool on the tightrope somehow. And then his greatest feat was he asked from his, the audience, who wants to get on my back? And some dude got on his back. And he walked the guy across his tightrope. And the scholar N.T. Wright says, now what if, imagine, while he's walking this tightrope, the guy on his back said, you know what? Halfway through, I don't really trust you anymore. Let me get off and do this myself. That'd be foolish, right? But that's what followers of Jesus often do. We trust in Jesus to start the process, and then we think, but I'll finish it. I don't really trust. I, I think I have to do the rest. I think I have to prove myself. Uh, I, yes, you, you died for me, but maybe I need to prove that I was worth dying for. Hmm? But you don't. You don't. You don't. Your freedom is God's doing. That's number one. Let's keep going. Now, verse five. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So let's just zero in on that first part where it says, if you obey me fully, this is important. 
God's going to give them laws and commands to, to, to come in the coming chapters. But they are not given these laws in order to be free. They are not given these laws to obey in order to be saved. God is giving these laws after he has already rescued them. Very, 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 very important. God has already freed them. And he says, I'm going to lay out laws for you, commands for you, to live the blessed life. I want you to live the blessed life. I want you to live a life so that the other nations around you go, wow, there's something about them. Look how fulfilled they are. There must be something about the God that they worship. So obey me, trust me, follow my commandments. And so for those of you who are getting baptized, the same is still true. You can trust the God who has freed you. So number two is your baptism symbolizes that you're free to obey a new master. Not that you have to in order for him to love you, but you get to. You get to. The Israelites used to be enslaved in Egypt and they had old masters whipping them, beating them, taskmasters, and God is trying to rewire them. You've got a new master you can trust. I can, I'm going to lay out commands. Trust me. I've rescued you. I've been good to you. I've carried you on eagle's wings. Now, trust me. And he says the same thing to you guys. I've died for you. I've bled for you. I've paid for new life for you. Trust me. The way I'm going to call you to live, it's in your best interest to follow this. It, it's for your joy. It's for your peace. It's for your fulfillment. There's going to be moments when you realize that, man, uh, the things I used to do, I don't want to do them anymore. Go with that. Because the Holy Spirit of God in you is changing your desires. He's giving you new desires. He's going to continue to uh, make you uncomfortable in situations that maybe you used to feel comfortable in. But God's like, that's not you anymore. Go with that. Trust him. There's going to be areas where he's going to highlight and say, it's time we work on this. Trust him. He's got what's best for you. One of you, I'm not going to give it away just yet. One of you wrote something in your form that I'm going to quote right now for this. You said this, talking about your old life. I felt to follow his commandments and strive to live by Jesus' example was too difficult and would lead to a boring life. Is that how anybody feels here? Living like a Christian, it's kind of boring. I continued to live and dwell in my sinful ways. I was living so selfishly. My thinking was that I would live out my youth and follow all of my sinful desires until I grow old. Then when I'm old, and after I'm done having my fun with my drugs, alcohol, pornography, foul language, partying, etc., then I will be religious and live a life of following God's commandments. That's honest. That's how they used to feel. That's honest, and that's how many people feel. I guess the life of following Jesus... I like the part about him forgiving my sins, but I want to be able to keep doing those sins, at least while I'm young, at least while I have the energy to do those sins, right? Then when I'm old and I can't really do those things anymore, then yeah, I'll straighten up. That's how a lot of us think. But God is saying, no, 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 you have a new master and you can trust me. Th those old ways, they leave to despair, depression, anxiety. They leave to broken relationships, as many of us have experienced, right? Amen. And God's saying, trust me, I'm your new master. You can trust me. Yes, you're not going to do it perfectly. But you have something that the Israelites didn't have back then. You have the spirit of God in you, giving you the desire and the power to obey him. When he says to love our enemies, impossible to do without the spirit of God in us. Oh, but with his spirit, we get to love our enemies. We can trust him. It's a better way. Forgive those who have hurt us. 
Oh, it's hard. But it's a better way. There's greater peace in that. So that's number two. You are free to obey a new master. And as we obey God, as we live lives of greater fulfillment, like this passage says, we will reflect a new kingdom that God has called us to. Let's read it again. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, right? I've created everything. The whole earth is mine. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So the whole earth is God's. His reign and rule covers the whole earth, but for only some people, that reign and rule is welcomed. It's invited, and we say yes to that reign, while others oppose it and fight against it. Israel was rescued by God, and God says, now trust me, and if you obey me, you will continue to be my treasured possession. Basically, they are invited to be, for God, what the first two human beings were supposed to be. His representatives over creation. He's saying to Israel, I'm starting over with you. I want you to showcase to the world who I am, reflect my glory, reflect my kingdom, so that the other nations go, wow, I want in on that. I want in on that God. I want in on that Yahweh that they worship. Holy nation refers to, holy means set apart, separate. God is saying, I am setting you apart to sparkle for me. And priesthood, uh, kingdom of priests, uh, the surrounding cultures and nations, they, they had this idea of priests as being a mediator between the gods or God or whatever and, and the people. And they would go to God and say, well, you've got to offer the sacrifices and he'll send the rain. So the Israelites had this idea of what priests meant and they themselves would have a, a, um, a priesthood that we'll talk about later. But here God is saying that the whole people as a nation are a kingdom of priests meaning they are a go-between between God and the rest of the world. And now what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with you guys being baptized? Well, the Apostle Peter will later tell us that because of Jesus' death, his, his life, his, his, his resurrection, let's look at it. In 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, this is Peter writing to not just Jews, but to non-Jews as well, Gentiles. He says this, You are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Does that sound familiar? This is, this is hundreds of years after Mount Sinai, after Exodus 19, but God is echoing back through Peter to what happened at Mount Sinai. And Peter is reminding this group of Christians who have all trusted in Jesus, who have been scattered. Some of them are being persecuted. They're, being, they're suffering. They're being ostracized. They're being kicked out of trade guilds. And Peter's saying, guys, 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 guys. Remember, 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 you are a chosen people. And the people who weren't Jews, they're like, really, us? We're part of this too. And Peter's like, yes, because you've trusted in the Jewish Messiah. You become part of this chosen people, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, God's special possession, that you may do what? Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's for you guys who are being baptized. That's number three. Your baptism symbolizes that you are baptized into a royal family. Baptized 
is the, it has the idea of being immersed, right? That's baptizo, it means being immersed. You are immersed into this new royal family of God. That's what this symbolizes. When a baby's born, it's not just born into the world. It's born into a family, right? It's born into a heritage. And so you two, or you, you as well is what I meant, like you three as well, are born into this royal family. You're born again by the Spirit of God, but you're also born into this royal people, this chosen people, this holy nation called the church, the body of Christ. Right? We like to talk about America as being a Christian nation, and really it's not. I mean, we're founded on Judeo-Christian values, and I thank God for that. Uh, but to follow Christian morals and ethics does not make one a Christian. They must trust in Jesus and be born again of his spirit. And Peter is saying that anybody who has trusted in the Jewish Messiah is part of this one holy nation called the church that spreads out all over the world, all generations. It's one holy people, one royal priesthood, meaning you guys are now representatives. You guys are called. You're, 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 you're going down in the water, and as you come up, it's a symbol that you, by the power of Jesus' spirit, are being sent out into the world to represent him, to sparkle for his glory. No longer are you to try to fit in with the rest of the world. You ain't gonna. So on one extreme, don't try to fit in with the rest of the world. On the other extreme, which is a lot of traps Christians fall into, is they stay away completely and just kind of have disdain and look down their noses at the world and go, can you believe they're doing that? No, 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 no. You are to go in and love the world that God is sending you into. Love the people. Just don't try to fit in because you won't. Your identity is no longer in your education, your career, your friend circles. It's in this royal family that you are being baptized into. This world is no longer your home. You belong to another kingdom. God has sent you here on a trip, on a little mission trip, if you will, in this short life, to represent him, to bring him glory, to be a priesthood, to go, be a go-between, to point to, what does it say? Oh, here, let's get back to it. What does Peter say? To declare the excellencies, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's your purpose. To declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You're experiencing that mercy and he's sending you out to declare to the world, there is a God who wants to rescue you too and shower you with mercy, just like he has done with me. Amen? So your baptism, in summary, is a declaration of your freedom because of Jesus. That's what today marks. I want to end with a quote from a guy named Kyle Worley, who's writing from Exodus 19 and pointing to what this moment means. He says this, Our story is not radically different from the Israelites. As Christians, we too are covenant participants who have been freed from slavery by Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross to be redefined as we live a life of holiness in the sight of the world. Through his word, he reminds us who we are, renews his covenant with us, and redefines how we are to live as his people in a broken world. Amen. So now, as we prepare to baptize these three, and by the way, if anybody here wants to join them, it ain't too late. You can come talk to me. I'll be on the front row as we sing a couple songs. You can come talk to me and say, 
I want to get baptized. We'll have a conversation. Make sure you understand what it means. But you can come talk to me. Um, but I'm going to call the band up. And we're just going to sing a song or two that just kind of helps to drill this into our heads and our hearts. And just a moment to celebrate as a church family of what's happening here today. So you guys can stand. The band will lead us. And then we will conclude with the baptism celebration. You know, while, I was, while we were singing, uh, I, I was reminded of one thing that I failed to share with you guys. Um, we're singing together as a family, right? And these guys are going to witness your baptism and they're going to celebrate with you. The Bible says angels in heaven re, you know, rejoice when one sinner repents. And I believe we are called to join in with that celebration. That's why we do this publicly. That's why we want the whole church here. Um, but I was reminded of how being baptized into a royal family, this body, this church, um, it, it, it's a blessing, right? They're here to support you. They're here to help you grow. They're here to, to help disciple you. Um, but that also means that there's going to be a temptation at times to isolate, to separate from these guys. Maybe they're going to tick you off. Maybe you're going to get offended by somebody. Maybe you're going to serve somebody and they're not going to show appreciation. Um, and, and I just want to encourage you to resist that temptation. Watch for that temptation. Watch out for the temptation to just do life on your own. I don't need these people. They've all ticked me off. Anybody get ticked off by somebody in here lately? Yeah, look around, look around. Come on, guys, be honest. Darn it. Be honest. Yeah, you're going to be. You're going to be. Don't isolate. You need them. We need to be connected. We need to be connected. All right, you guys can have a seat. Kids, welcome for our baptism celebration. So glad you're here.